At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the sports betting. Network. Yo, what up, folks? Welcome into another edition of The Edge. No Matt Humans today. He'll be back tomorrow. Was filling in for Mitch Moss over on Follow the Money, but we got a good show on tap for you today. Dieter Kurtenbach is going to be with us in 15 minutes. Talk a little bit about those Golden State Warriors who unveiled their new death lineup in their game one win over the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Dieter, of course, working for the San Jose Mercury News. He's Baytime Sports columnist as well. So get the Warriors' perspective on the game two matchup later tonight. And at 4.30, Derek Carty, MLB betting and fantasy analyst, is going to be with us. Uh, we're going to talk a lot uh, about that big series. Yes, it's a big series, even though it's early in the season. Right, Santos? Giants-Mets? That can make a big difference. Uh, I can't wait to watch that series. It's going to be absolutely fantastic and a good pitching matchup later today, too. So we'll get some thoughts on that. And uh, these, the low rate of home runs that we've seen up to this point uh, in Major League Baseball. Something, nothing, small sample size nonsense, what have you. But we begin with yesterday in the association, and how can you not... The Boston Celtics getting a buzzer-beating victory over the Brooklyn Nets, 115-114. to 114. Jason Tatum spins the Celtics to victory with a ridiculous shot at the end of that game to give the Celtics a 1-0 series lead over Brooklyn. Uh, despite a pretty good performance from the Boston Celtics defense throughout the, I would say, first half, but of course the third quarter where they, they went into that third quarter, tied at halftime, came out of it with an 11-point lead and ultimately opened up a 15-point lead at the beginning of the fourth only to lose the lead in the last two minutes still coming out on top over the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And I will just say this about this game yesterday and about the series as we move forward. And I wrote about this up on the website too, which is I can give you so many different numbers and analytics and breakdowns. And, and there's so many smart people on Twitter and that, that break down film like nobody's business. Uh, and you can listen to all of those people as well. But at the end of the day, sometimes it just takes having a dude like Kyrie Irving on your team to get you back into these contests. And that's exactly what happened last night. Kyrie Irving was spectacular for the Brooklyn Nets. The final stat line of 39 points, uh, six rebounds, excuse me, five rebounds, six assists, 12 of 20 from the floor, uh, six of 10 from three point range, a one point hitting consecutive three point shots to get them back into that game in the fourth quarter. Kyrie was great, and he is a brilliant player, as is Kevin Durant. And at the end of the day, it kind of makes the difference, right? That late three-point shot from Kevin Durant, assisted on by one Kyrie Irving, who just decided to give it up and give it to Durant. Like, it's just sometimes 
All you need are really good players on the court to help you win series. Ultimately, they lost the game because of uh, some ridiculous nonsense with <laughs> with their defense. And Marcus Smart gets all the credit of the world for pump faking, drawing two defenders, and, and finding Jason Tatum as opposed to trying to put up a shot that was uh, probably an inefficient choice. So he gives it to Tatum, who spins and finishes. But ultimately... If we get seven games of this, I'm totally in. I don't really care who comes out, even though I do have a bet on the Boston Celtics to win that series. But I just, I think at the end of the day, when you look at this, this is a series more than any other that's going to come down to just good players being really freaking good. And I don't know, like, again, spinning it from any analytical source. Like, I could tell you, for example, yesterday, one of the things that held back the Boston Celtics, um, you can't go 24-36 within four feet of the basket. You probably got to do a little bit better than that. And 66.7% on 36 attempts isn't terrible, but at one point, they were missing bunnies left and right. The Al Horford putback miss, uh, one of the key highlights there. If you're going to get to the rim, you got to be able to finish. Uh, they kept Brooklyn from getting to within four feet of the basket, despite Bruce Brown saying after their win over Cleveland that that's what they were going to do. Uh, Brooklyn, while they also shot 66.7%, they only had 18 attempts within four feet of the basket. So that was a pretty big difference uh, in this game as well. Brooklyn making up the difference within four feet by shooting the ball extremely well, uh, but still one fewer made three-point attempt than the uh, the Boston Celtics just came down to um, you got to be a little bit more efficient with your shots and getting more efficient shots is within four feet of the basket. But I just think this one, like, again, I'll spin it any way I want. Brooklyn offensive rating in the half court, 103.6, but uh, that was even better offensive rating in transition. I kind of feel like Brooklyn's going to take game two because I don't think you're going to get a performance from Kevin Durant in which he's 23 points, not a 24 from the floor, turning the ball over uh, what it seemed like on almost every single possession. He had a turnover rate of 19%. Uh, but this series is going to be fun. You can't ask me to lay points in a series like this, even if it's just four, because these two teams, there's not much separating them. But at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to these good players being really good. And Tatum was just a little bit better yesterday in his ability to finish. So adjusted series price, too, uh, for this as we kind of move forward. You know, yesterday we saw initially uh, the price was under that. And like It was like minus 180 at some spots. It got bumped up to minus 190 in certain situations. There are certain uh, shops, depending on where you shop for your number. But right now, the series market as it is, at least over at DraftKings, you've got the Boston Celtics up to a two dollar and twenty cent favorite in this series. You see minus two twenty five via BetMGM. Yeah, the opener was minus one eighty five or minus one ninety, right? When it was rehung yesterday, so a little bit of action there on the Boston Celtics to drive this up, and the Celtics finally getting a little bit of support uh, by the betting market, or at least by the odds makers getting that adjusted. It's going to be pretty fun watching this series, though, man. And we'll talk more about Game 2, of course, when it comes up, because we're not going to get that tonight. Uh, we are going to get quite a few Game 2s tonight, though. We get three of them later today. And I kind of wanted to start uh, with, uh, we'll get to the Toronto-Philly one later in the show. I want to go to 543-544, Utah and Dallas, because this one's going to be a really intriguing matchup. Opens up 5 with a total of 204. Uh, that 5 is still there. Total is up to 206. And I, and I would agree with the sentiment in the market here that this is going to be a little bit of a higher-scoring game than we saw on Saturday, and it's going to be slow-paced. I think when you watch the first game between these two, a uh, total amount of possessions, let me get this exactly right, I think we were at a, a like 91, um, but I want to make sure I get this. Yeah, 90 for Utah, 89 for Dallas in terms of total possessions by cleaning the glass, but it was really inefficient offense. And I really strongly lean toward Utah. I'm kind of hoping for a hot start for Dallas so I can get in on a, a better price in-game for the Jazz. But it comes down to me for one thing. Dallas yesterday, 104.5 offensive rating on Saturday. Extremely inefficient. Um, and Jalen Brunson, while well, he had 24 points, he did it on 24 shots. Unless Jalen Brunson, I made this joke yesterday, so I'm going to make it again. Uh, unless Jalen Brunson showing up at six foot five, I don't think there's really going to be much of a change here. What Utah was doing was really smart yesterday. They were switching everything. They didn't mind throwing any single one of their guys defensively on Jalen Brunson. They had the size matchup advantage in almost every single one of those on-ball uh, matchups in terms of defensively against Brunson. And Brunson... Uh, was very inefficient with his shooting yesterday and making some pretty poor shots. And I think that's ultimately going to stay. How you beat the Utah Jazz is dribble penetration and kicking it out to open shooters, spreading them out, allowing Rudy Gobert, pu pulling Rudy Gobert out of the painted area and forcing these poor on-ball defenders to be on-ball defenders. And we saw the Clippers do that to them in that series lost to them in the Western Conference semis last year. And I thought that with a three-guard lineup with Luka, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie, that they were going to be able to do that here again to Dallas Mavericks. But Luka's not out there. He's not going to play for game two. And you saw that Jalen Brunson 
if he's running the show by himself or with Spencer Dinwiddie, who was a little inefficient as well, that that's just not there. And so Utah feels free to switch all of those, to stay home on shooters, to not allow those three-point shots or at least clean three-point looks. And you get the performance that you did yesterday. Not only a 104.3 offensive rating, 104.5, uh, but a 9 of 31 shooting performance from beyond the arc for uh, Dallas as well. And I don't think those matchups are going to change here against the Utah Jazz. So I think the number's pretty spot on. Again, I'm kind of hoping for a similar start to Saturday. Dallas got off to a pretty good start. It was kind of a helter-skelter pace and then ultimately really slowed down. But I think the Jazz are just in a, such a very good matchup advantage. And you look at the other numbers too, by the way. Now, how about the rebounding numbers? Out-rebounded the Mavericks 53-34 to on Saturday. 13 offensive rebounds. They don't really have a matchup for Rudy Gobert on the glass. That's pretty astounding. Offensive rebounding rate for the Utah Jazz in that game, 38.3%. If you look at some of the putback numbers in the half court, at least generating as uh, cleaning the glass tracks, it, uh, putback plays per 100 misses, that rate, 23.3. It's a really good number if you're talking about that category. It's just there's so many little things that aren't going anywhere. It's because there's physical stature. There's, there's mismatches that are just inherent in this series without Luka Doncic on the floor. And you saw all of them play out in favor of Utah. The difference is, is that I don't think Donovan Mitchell is going to have to score 30 of his, what was it, 32 points in the second half in this game. I think you're going to get a little bit of a better start from Donovan Mitchell in the first half and thus maybe pushing this over the total and getting the Utah Jazz to cover a number like this potentially. So I'm hoping for a similar start so I can come in and get a more efficient number. But I think out of all these games that we saw over the weekend, this is one where... The disadvantages are inherent with the roster building and the size, and unless Doncic is going to come back, uh, you really saw how up against the Dallas Mavericks are going to be in this series. So from there, uh, to go to the other game that we're going to get, um, the, the early game, let's go to Philly and Toronto. We won't say this because I'm really excited for this game. And we'll have this in best bets, but I did bet this under that total of 218. And I know Josh was talking about this Pritch. I thought I got the great number on this because it immediately went to 216 and a half this morning. We're back up to 217 and a half. And we know the injury situation. Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Thad Young, all doubtful for the Toronto Raptors. This number was four and a half for game one. It's now up to seven and a half here for game two. Kind of kicking myself a little bit over the weekend. I was playing with the idea of just laying six and a half on Saturday on Sunday, um, just because you figured that the market was going to come in strong and maybe even close this at eight. We still have plenty of time until tip off. So maybe it does get there, but I, I will say this about this game. Um, there are bright spots for Toronto, despite the bleak start to this series. If you go back to that game, one of the things that I think sticks out about Toronto's performance, because you would think, oh, they got blown out. There's nothing positive. Toronto actually had an offensive rating and not garbage time minutes of 126.2. That's really good. That's a really good offensive rating. Uh, it's just that the Philadelphia 76ers offensive rating was 151.8. But the 76ers also, which was pretty surprising, getting up and down the floor. How about starting 15.7% of their uh, possessions with a transition play? Uh, an offensive rating in transition of 190.9. Like, not exactly what we usually see from the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm, I'm not entirely, do we see that again? Do we see a more aggressive 76ers team in transition? Uh, do we see a similar shooting performance from the Philadelphia 76ers who shot 16 of 31, if you remove all the heaves and whatnot uh, at the end of breaks and everything? They, they were really, really efficient. And I think that maybe, I would assume, that a 151.6 offensive rating is not going to stick around for a second game, and that's going to come back down to the pack. So if you're, if you're looking for positives for the Toronto Raptors, it's that they were still able to operate at a really efficient pace offensively. Uh, you were going to expect them to be better in transition defensively because they were one of the best in the NBA to be able to do it. And uh, we'll get to the total from that perspective as well, uh, but would expect a much lower scoring game. That game, how about this? It was a 131-111 to final. That only had about 90 possessions. It was crazy how efficient those two teams were. All right, uh, let's get to the Golden State Warriors and Denver Nuggets matchup. Game two later tonight, Dieter Kurtenbach is going to join us on the other side. We get his thoughts on uh, the new death lineup that was unveiled, if that is the same impact as the ones in the past, and also just what Denver has to do in a matchup to keep up with the Golden State Warriors. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. NFL Draft here in Vegas. They're going to have extensive coverage. We've got Mock Draft. You know it. Matt Humans has his up. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, is going to give you his draft analysis. Mike Pritchard, 13th overall pick in the NFL. Always got to correct you. Uh, Sean King, Super Bowl winning champ as well. We have all these guys, plus legendary sports broadcaster, voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brett Musburger, to give you draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today. Get full access to VSIN to the NFL Draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. All right. Uh, let's continue our coverage of the NBA postseason. Dieter Kurtenbach, nice enough to give us some time today. Uh, East Bay Times columnist, San Jose Mercury News, a, uh, a man about town over in the Bay Area. And I have to ask you, Dieter, because I interacted with you earlier on social media. It's how the world works now. Uh, did you come up with a good name for the new death lineup for the Golden State Warriors? I, I didn't come up with it, but a couple of followers came through with, like, the Flood Five, which feels like it has a, a little bit more potential than whatever nonsense I was tossing out. Uh, clearly, the Warriors had a very good game one because this has been the number one priority for every beat writer on the Golden State Warriors beat over the last couple of days, making sure we come up with a catchy nickname for a lineup that played for five minutes right. on Saturday. And correct me if I'm wrong, but actually, the, so we, this is, I guess, the third iteration of the death lineup for Golden State. Only the second one had a nickname, right? That was the Hampton Five? Yeah, death lineup, Hampton's Five, and now this one to be named at a, at a certain point when someone comes up with something clever. Okay, I like it. Unless somebody just mentions something cheesy on a broadcast and then it just sticks and that's just going to be terrible. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, yeah, we don't need that. Let's. Uh, let, I want to dive into this from multiple perspectives. Uh, first, we'll just start with that that death lineup. Then, since we're talking about it, you know, you mentioned it only five minutes, outscoring the Denver Nuggets by 14 points in those five minutes. It, I think that's going to be an effective lineup. But is this just kind of the perfect team to use that lineup against? Putting Jokic out in space and running up and down the floor, like it, it should be effective. But I don't want to get too excited because it's almost like the perfect team to break it out against. No. Yeah, no, it's a great matchup for this lineup. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see what Denver does tonight because the Warriors are going to go back to it. I'd imagine that they'd go back to it for maybe a little bit more than the five minutes they did at the end of the second quarter on Saturday. And I think very well we could see Nikola Jokic just sort of be put in the corner and have him guarding Andrew Wiggins. And if Andrew Wiggins doesn't want to attack the baseline, if he doesn't want to cut, if he wants to do sort of Andrew Wiggins things and disappear, um, that, that actually could negate some of the effectiveness of that lineup. If Andrew Wiggins wants to be active and effective, then that lineup could go to a whole new level. So it's absolutely a great team to go against. You know, Denver is lacking any serious wings. Sorry, no offense to Will Barton, but like uh, Aaron Gordon's a five masquerading as a four. You have Jokic, who's a one of one, and then you have a bunch of small guys out there. And uh, what was effective most about the great death lineup, whatever the hell we want to call it, lineup, was that they were really connected defensively and that they sped Denver up on when Denver had the ball 
and that allowed them to get out into transition and do the crazy things that they can do with three of the greatest shooters in the NBA today and two of the greatest shooters who have ever lived. So um, I do think we're going to see a lot of that lineup. I do think that's the Warriors' best five. Uh, when Draymond Green plays the five, it's usually the Warriors' best five. Uh, but Denver is absolutely 100%, as you noted, a great team to bust it out against. And you know maybe they wouldn't have the same level of success against Memphis or I guess Minnesota, given the state of that series, or maybe not against Phoenix. But, you know, you got to figure it out at some point. This seems like a pretty good time for them. Yeah. So I, as I was kind of looking at the series and, you know, I noted we were talking about this the other day, Denver since the start of March, 21st and non-garbage time defensive efficiency. Uh, the, team, the team struggles on that end of the floor. I, the, the way I kind of put it was if the, the Nuggets are going to win this series, I hate to say get back in it because they're only down one nothing. Um, but if they're going to get back in this, be effective, it's with their offense because I don't think there's any version of that defense that's slowing down Golden State death lineup or not. Yeah, and I, I think you have to even take it one step further, which is that they got to muck this game up, yeah. and they got to put Nikola Jokic at the free throw line 15, 16 times in a game. He only had two free throws in game one. That, that's just not going to win. Uh, you got to keep it slow. The Warriors want to speed it up. They want to play small ball. They figure small is a feature, not a bug. Uh, they don't have the big dudes to match up with Jokic, uh, so they're going to try to get by on Guile and Smarts and Draymond Green is all of that and a little bit more. Uh, you're, you're also getting Demia Bialisa, who I thought had a really nice defensive turn against Jokic in that game. Uh, and Kevon Looney, you know that he's a steady force, uh, even if Jokic is going to give him the business more often than not. you got to speed him up. Or, I'm sorry, the Warriors got to speed him up. The Nuggets have to slow the game down, and it, it just seemed very easy for Golden State to get Denver out of the sort of set that they wanted to run, where Jokic is holding on to the ball for 15 20 seconds of the shot clock and being able to play sort of that water polo point guard that he likes to do. Um, it's a very tough thing. It's a lot easier said than done because the Warriors, when they go, they really go. But, man, it, the Denver Nuggets really need to slow the pace down. And if they can't do that, they don't really stand much of a chance in this series. If they can... We might have an interesting game three with the, the series tied one one. But and you talk about getting Jokic to the free throw line. I think what was really important too for that game uh, on Saturday night was the way that it was officiated. They were letting the Warriors get pretty physical with Jokic. So if that's called any differently, that changes a lot tonight. No question. And I, uh, Steve Kerr said that he would bet his life that Nikola Jokic goes to the line for more yeah. than two free throws tonight. Um, you know, there's a gamesmanship to the NBA playoffs. It's been a while, but I still do remember some of the the intricacies of covering the Warriors in the playoffs from back in the day. And you know, every team is going to send in clips to the league, basically whining and complaining about how the game was poorly officiated. And the next round of officials will come in with certain mandates from the league, soft mandates, but mandates nevertheless. Uh, I would expect in the early goings that Denver, understanding that it's pretty much their only path to victory, is going to put Jokic in situations where he can draw fouls. And if the referees are keen to let that game go on, uh, as they have not been, to, uh, they have not been in other games around the uh, association during these playoffs, but uh, as they were in Game One, if they're keen to let it go again, the Warriors are going to have a very easy time again. If Jokic again, nothing is slower than getting to the free throw line. If Jokic can get to the free throw line a bunch, because he's really the only guy that I feel has a chance to, to really make that happen. They just don't have that sort of penetrating kick point guard. They don't have that kind of offensive weapon uh, who can get to their spot and knock down a bucket anywhere. It's Jokic, Jokic, and Jokic. Uh, if he's not going to the line early and often, putting the Warriors in situations where they have to deal with messed up rotations because of foul trouble, again, I don't see Denver getting a chance. But if they do that, Denver does very much have a chance in this game because Jokic is just that good. Yep. So as much as we talk about the Warriors offensively, their defense has always been incredible. Since Kerr's been there, they've been a very good defensive team uh, more times than not in the season. And when you look at the way they play defense, you know, it's funny, like, Dieter, when you look at it and I tell you, well, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists on 12 to 25, you're like, that's that's actually a pretty good stat line. But you watch that game and the yeah. way that they make him work, Kevon Looney, like, he just, it's to me, it's like, hey, just force him to hit jump, like those jump hooks. If he's just hitting jump hooks and they're tough and they got to get him over you, same thing with Draymond Green, they're doing a pretty good job and the Warriors seem comfortable like, yeah, you know, we might be at a size disadvantage or a speed disadvantage a little bit with Looney or Draymond Green, but we're fine holding up one-on-one with those guys. Well, you take it one step further than that. The Warriors, they're, they're kind of throwing it back to 2015 a little bit, right? This is, uh, you know, the old guard getting back together to play some old songs again. 
And what they did in 2015 was they played a very simple game of math. Three is greater than two. They're very comfortable. And they showed this time and time again throughout their dynastic run with James Harden. Uh, They're very comfortable uh, allowing, you know, a great player to work very hard and score two points because they're very confident that when they play small, when they have Clay, Steph, and and now Jordan Poole on the floor, and I think Andrew Wiggins needs to be included in this conversation a smidge too, they can get three-point shots at a very high clip and that they'll knock it down at a reasonable clip, whereas Denver just doesn't really have that unless you're double-teaming Jokic and you're really moving off the ball. There's some lineups where even that doesn't work all that well. So Jokic goes 12-25 in game one, but he went 0-4 from three, and Denver only knocked down 11 threes in that game. They got some early looks. They didn't make them, and after that it was pretty much clamp town, whereas the Warriors you know, shot 45% from beyond the arc, a lot of open looks, a lot of very easy sets, one pick, wide open guy, here we go, bang, bang, 16 made three-pointers in the game. And that's the difference right there. Uh, the Warriors are very content with giving up two points to Nikola Jokic. They just don't want it to come at the free throw line because make or miss, they can run. If you're at the free throw line, you got to walk it up, and walking it up is not a recipe for success for the Warriors. Dieter Kurtenbach with us. Last 60 seconds, uh, Warriors, seven-point favorite. Total's down to 222. What's your read here? I like I like the total where it's at. I'm not touching it. I think seven is is a nice, comfortable margin because, again, the Warriors have the three-point advantage and because I think they're going to end up playing that small ball five, the death lineup, whatever the hell you want to call it, a little bit more tonight. Uh, I don't think that Jokic is going to be able to control the game for the full 48 minutes, and the Nuggets are in a really bad spot when he's on the bench. So I feel pretty comfortable with uh, you know laying the seven. feel comfortable with the Warriors covering on this one. I don't think it will be a blowout, but I do think it will be a comfortable win. Uh, as for the total, it might be a little bit lower scoring than last time around, so I'm going to stay away from that one. Dieter Kurtenbach, I'm embarrassed to admit how much time I spent trying to find uh, really cool nicknames for that group uh, after I saw your tweets, <laughs> so I will not say anything. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Hey, man, I spent, spent a whole weekend on it, so yeah. thanks for trying. Got it. Follow him on Twitter, uh, Twitter at Twitter, uh, at Dieter, D-I-E-T-E-R. All right, we'll come back. We're going to switch gears here. Major League Baseball, yes. I don't care if it's April 18th. There is a big series going down between San Francisco and the Mets. We're going to talk about that much more with Derek Hardy next. This is The Edge on VSN, the sports betting network. Conquer the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join Tia two free to pool, free to play pools. Wow, I'm all over it. And compete for your share of ten thousand dollars in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com/slash the Northman now to join the action. The Northman in theaters April twenty second. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, I'm all over it because I am upset. Uh, came down about twenty minutes ago and missed it while we were uh, on the air. Uh, so forgive me for pumping up a series that will not start today. Still, we'll get to see it. Uh, Giants-Mets among three games that have been postponed due to weather. It doesn't matter. We still have stuff to talk about with those two teams. Derek Carty, nice enough to give us some time today to discuss that and much more. Uh, Derek, appreciate it. Uh, and I did want to start with those. We won't get the game tonight. But I wanted to start first off with the dude who was supposed to take the mound for New York today, uh, Tyler McGill. Uh, what have you seen from him through these first two starts? He has been absolutely fantastic. He had a strong se- uh, season last year. I really like what I've seen out of him. Is this like sustainable? Is this guy going to be the real deal going forward here for New York? Yeah, I think it really depends on what your expectations are. Is he going to be Jacob deGrom? <laughs> Probably not. Is he going to be, you know, a good middle of the order, you know, maybe top of the order potential kind of guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, he could be. You know, the numbers last year were good. The numbers this year so far have been good. All of his kind of stuff metrics have kind of improved this year. His fastball is two miles an hour faster. So, yeah, there's a lot to really like here with McGill. I think uh, he's a good one for the Mets. And the start behind for the Mets overall, 7-3 and three, uh, through the first 10 games of the season, projected to be one of the better teams in Major League Baseball. But, of course, we know what happened at the top of the rotation with injuries, uh, specifically to DeGrom. Uh, the staying power of this team as they wait for DeGrom's health, uh, what have you seen from them overall, the lineup, the bullpen, good things and sustainable things we move forward? Yeah, there's a lot of talent on this roster, especially once they get DeGrom back. The issue is it's the Mets, and they usually find a way to screw it up somehow. Guys get hurt, weird stuff happens, and they're in a really tough division. The Braves and the Phillies are both 
elite teams. And so uh, that that's the biggest hurdle, I think, is just that uh, they're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. So the team that they are expected to face, and again, well, it looks like we're going to get a doubleheader tomorrow uh, between these two. So the Giants. So uh, to be perfectly frank, I did bet the Giants under their win total because I was like, come on, 31-17 and 17 in one-run games last year. Uh, Kapler hitting uh, all the right buttons. <laughs> like th- This should probably regress a little bit, but here we are again. Derek, 3-1 uh, and one in one-run games so far, and just four of them so up to this point. But like, are the, do we expect the Giants to just keep doing this at this point? I don't think we can. I mean, I was with you. Like, I was waiting for it all last year. I was waiting for them to regress, waiting for them to regress, and it just never happened. This year, like, yeah, they added Carlos Redon, but Buster Posey retired, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't think, I just don't think they're this elite team. I think they're an above average team, and that's it. So, yeah, I still think that this is a team that's going to regress. These, these wins in in these, you know, close games, they're going to have to even out. And uh, maybe I'm wrong again, but I just, I'm not a big buyer of the Giants as like one of the best teams in the league. Well, luckily we have, uh, what, 152 games left. So I think we've got time for this to uh, to even itself out. All right, so we want to go to, so I'm an Angels guy. I'm an Angels fan. So I'm going to ask you an Angels-related question, but it's an important one. Uh, and also something that spins off of that. But the Angels, uh, they're going to start Michael Lorenzen today. And uh, first time out looks pretty good. And if you look at the underlying, it's only one start. Underlying numbers were solid for him. Uh, what do you make of what they got in Lorenzen? Did they get a cheap little thing here that actually is going to work out for them in the long run. And again, kind of to your point with uh, McGill, right? Not like top tier ace, but like middle of the rotation type of dude. Yeah, I think with Lorenzen, I, I guess it's possible, but I think we're, we're looking at more of like just a serviceable, you know, number three, number four, yeah. more back of the rotation kind of starter, you know, more of like a league average type arm. I don't like him as much as McGill in terms of his stuff. I think the track record is spottier. Like he's already 30 years old. He's kind of bounced back and forth. Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? Is he going to try to supplement his value? Cause he's not good enough pitching by, you know, trying to be a part-time hitter kind of thing. And uh, it looks like the angels are committed to trying him full-time as a starter this year. I don't think you're going to get much better than, than league average out of him, but I guess we'll have to see. I mean, for them, though, it would probably help getting league average pitching after how bad it's been for a while. <laughs> with Honestly, the you're probably right. <laughs> yep. um, and by the way, I'll ask you, since we're on the topic of the Angels, uh, you know, I was looking through some of the numbers. Uh, in terms of, like, fielding independent, it seems like that number's a little bloated for that bullpen. Uh, but there is some other numbers. I think their XFIP's pretty low as a team. That bullpen is kind of, I think it's been exactly what we kind of expected, right, with all the additions and the improvements? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is uh... – you know, probably a borderline top 10 bullpen in baseball. I, I think uh, there's definitely reasons for optimism with the Angels this year. All right, so speaking of Angels pitchers, uh, Andrew Heaney, of course, so a former Angels pitcher, doesn't exactly work out for him. Then we know what happens last year with the Yankees. And so now two outings for the Dodgers, two great outings. Um, what have we seen from him? Is this something that's, again, sustainable to a certain extent? I don't know about a 0-0 ERA and a 0.68 whip, but uh, another just solid starter for the Dodgers, a diamond in the rough that they picked up. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to probably credit the Dodgers, you know, coaching and development to an extent, like they're one of the best run organizations in baseball. But Haney's always a guy who's had good stuff, you know, was one of the elite prospects in baseball coming up with the Marlins, just never really put it together, you know, fully the way we expected him to. The the biggest issue has always been the home runs. And uh, that's just something that, you know, we don't know if they're going to go away. But I do think that the situation this year does help him with, uh, I mean, the evidence so far is that the baseball has been, you know, dejuiced or something is going on because home run rates are way down across the league. And we're kind of reaching the point where we can believe in this being the case. And so if home run rates are going to be down, that is going to have probably, you know, kind of a disproportionately positive impact on a guy like Haney who gives up so many fly balls and home runs to begin with. If he starts allowing, you know, a more reasonable number of them. Yeah. The strikeout stuff is there. The control's always actually been pretty good. It's really just been those home runs. And so if they come down, there really is a big time for te- potential for Haney. And and the way the Dodgers are going to handle him, I think is going to make him look better than he's been the past few years. The Dodgers notoriously pull their guys early. Don't let them go three times through the order. And uh, I think that is going to help Haney, you know, having maybe a bit shorter leash 
and not being left in, uh, you know, to kind of get obliterated the third time through. Dave Roberts has a tendency to pull guys early, huh? I didn't really know that. Um, all right, so let's talk about, uh, and really quickly, I just want to say, feel good for Andrew Heaney, but at the same time, it couldn't have happened for a worse team in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to a couple of other things. You touched on a topic I wanted to get to you uh, on, which was unders early edge. Uh, our colleague, Dave Tooley, 57.6% of games have gone under the total up to this point. You mentioned the home run rate, and you kind of said it right there in your answer, which was, so this is kind of something we should note, how huh? like this is now getting to a sample size where this is more than just noise. This is something that could potentially be what we're looking at for a season. Yeah, it could be. And, and obviously this season has some unique quirks that could be kind of throwing a wrench into things The you know, the, the abbreviated spring training, maybe, you know, it's not as representative as of an early season as we would normally get, but generally it doesn't take that long for us to get an understanding of how the ball is going to play on any given year. And right now home run rates are, the lowest they've been in a long time, even once you account for, you know, it's, it's cold right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's April weather, weather is going to suppress offense. Even once you account for that home run rates are still well below where they've been the last three years. Yep. I think was it yesterday. Was it 14 games and 13 home runs or 15 games and uh, whatever it was, 14 games and 15 home runs. So we're seeing that start to get down. All right. Some team specific stuff before we get you out of here. First off uh, preseason expectations for the Tigers for you were what, and what you've seen through nine games. And I just wanted to throw in the fact, cause I, I've been watching them. I'm really curious about this team, uh, but is Austin Meadows like one of the best off season acquisitions ever. This guy looks great early on. Yeah, Austin Meadows is a really, really good hitter. He's kind of, I guess, flown under the radar a little bit because he's played with with the Rays. And, you know, I mean, they're the Rays. They treat everybody weird. They pinch hit for him a little bit. Hasn't had, like, a big volume season. Uh, but, yeah, talent-wise, he's really, really good. So I, I like this for the for the Tigers quite a bit. And what about, like, the team as a whole and your preseason expectations? Like, what were they? Were you as high on them as most people were coming into the year? I wouldn't say I was high on them, probably a little higher than uh, the markets were, yeah. but you know, I still think this is a well below average team, but you know, they they have some young guys, they have some upside, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be in the mix a little bit, I guess. They're not going to be one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> oh, that's always a positive Derek Cardi again, uh, Derek, I appreciate the time with you as always. Uh, thank you very much, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. Derek Carty, again, MLB betting fantasy analyst at Roto Grinders. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at Derek Carty. Uh, yeah, it's actually, so the, the schedule today takes kind of a hit, obviously, with what's going on uh, with three games being postponed up to this point. We do have a final that's in the books, too. Uh, the Minnesota Twins get a 7-2, excuse me, 8-3 to three win over the Boston Red Sox at a, a very early start time. It was like 8 a.m. Uh, our time out here on the West Coast. So uh, the uh, Twins move up to 4-6, and six, and we'll see if we can get a little bit more consistency out of that offense, namely guys like Carlos Correa, who have not been uh, very good up to this point. And some pretty interesting games uh, that are going to be on the card later today. I think the one that has piqued my interest the most outside of this Angels Astro series, because the Angels are suddenly playing good baseball, uh, is the Philadelphia Phillies and the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Rockies playing really competitively up to this point. Not surprisingly, the offense has been somewhat effective, but Nola takes the hill, and we're starting to see, again, it's only nine in the third, uh, but Nola's start to the season, a little iffy in terms of an inflated ERA, but is expected fielding independent again, 348. Uh, you expect something uh, to kind of break here for Nola and for some regression to hit, but maybe not in the altitude in Colorado. But again, a, a very weird start for Nola because his numbers are kind of reflecting the discrepancy we saw last year. High ERA, but a lower expected fielding independent and a lower fifth two. All right. We'll come back and we get the best bets, uh, wrap up the card in the NBA. We'll look at a couple of other series in the association that are going to get to their game twos on Tuesday and Wednesday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is The Edge on VSEN, the sports betting network. Best Bets brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. You tired of the same old, same old when it comes to nicotine? Have you been looking, hoping, wishing for a more satisfying, discreet, or smoke-free way to experience nicotine satisfaction? Just look for three letters, Z-Y-N. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are a satisfying, smoke-free, spit-free tobacco alternative. Available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. I think it's never been easier to find your Zinn, so head on over to Zinn.com slash find locate a store near you. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. Uh, good weekend. Good weekend, man. It was just uh, like, you know, my lovely wife and two beautiful children out of town. Miss them so much. Uh, all right. We have a lot to get to uh, in these last couple minutes. First off, weekend recap at Best Bets for tonight. Uh, the weekend recap, eh, kind of a popcorn fart of a weekend. Cavaliers plus two and a half against the Hawks in that play and get out to a really big lead. I uh, actually did a really good job throughout that entire game, but offense falls off in the second half and into the fourth quarter and ultimately blow that lose and do not cover to Atlanta. Timberwolves plus seven against the Grizzlies win the game outright. We're going to get to that series momentarily. And the Raptors, as we know, get smacked by the 76ers on Saturday. So we're going to go back to that series for tonight, play a total here under 218. Uh, weird, funky line movement here. Uh, this uh, opened up 220 and a half. Uh, I bet it under 218. Then it got to as low as 215 and a half before making its way back up to the 217 and a half. That's populates the board right now. Uh, the reasoning behind this, though, it's pretty simple. Don't think the 76ers are going to have an offensive rating of 150 and shoot over 50% from three yet again. And the Raptors, to give them some credit, also had an offensive rating of nearly 130 in that game. These were just two wildly efficient performances for both offenses in that game. And yet, only 90 possessions for the two teams in that contest. So really slow pace, kind of what we expected. Don't expect that the efficiency is going to take the same form, at least if the 76ers have another 150 offensive night, then of course uh, I'm going to have really big problems as I'm sitting on that series price for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, but I think ultimately this is just going to be a series that we expected. It was slower. It was slower than people realized on Saturday. It's just that the offenses were so efficient. We didn't realize it. It's going to take that same pace, but the offense should not be anywhere near as efficient. So I'm going to go under the total of 218 there. Um, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. And also I would say this, and I say this about like all the time in the postseason. I remember being on with uh, Tim Murray throughout the uh, postseason last year when the Clippers and Jazz series was going on and he was kind of ribbing me as a Clippers fan. And I'm like, hey man, look, it's a series. It's the best of seven for a reason. Even when you're down two nothing, when you're down one nothing, crazier things can happen. Clippers last year came back from down two nothing twice to win two series. So I would never, if you're sitting on a series price one way or the other, if a team is up one nothing and you bet on them, if your team is down one nothing and you bet on them, you play best of seven for a reason. It's not over until the other team gets to four. So always just kind of stay the course. Stay the course. I've seen a lot of oh man, these favorites blowing them out. There's no chance. I would chill on that one. So let's go to. One of the series that I am, I continue to be, and look, as they say, no series is over. So four games, remind me in four games, if Memphis goes on this massive run, rips off four consecutive wins, blows out the Timberwolves in each and every single one of those, and wins the series four to one. But, but I find myself surprised 
by the reaction to this series between Minnesota and Memphis. Like these two teams didn't meet four times in the regular season, split those games, and it was Minnesota who had such a uh, lopsided mismatch in their favor in one of those games that they came out with a plus 8.1 net rating. But I was. I'm kind of surprised by the general thought of this being, one, a very surprising outcome in game one, and two, for game two, the betting market's resistance to adjusting here a little bit. And again, it's only one game, but just think about it as we talked about on Friday from this perspective. In the regular season, the Grizzlies uh, closed as the biggest, biggest favorite in those two games. They were a four-and-a-half-point favorite in one of the home games against Minnesota. They were four-and-a-half. And now here we are, not only as of game one, a seven-point favorite losing outright, but in game two, the market on Saturday said, not only are we reopening this at seven, some shops opened at seven-and-a-half in favor of the Memphis Grizzlies. I still think that Minnesota is going to lose this series. I picked the Memphis Grizzlies to win this in seven. It's what I expected for this to happen. But it was going to be, obviously, a best of seven, if it's going seven games, a very competitive series. And I think while the Memphis Grizzlies deserve a ton of credit for going 20-2 and two without John Morant, and they went on incredible runs, and they looked spectacular, were top of the league in terms of ATS record of the regular season, the power rating on Memphis, to me, it is surprising. It is surprising the level of confidence the market has in the Memphis Grizzlies. It's surprising when you kind of figuratively lick your finger and test the win and ask people what they think about this series before it got started, how many thought this was going to be a five-game set in favor of Memphis. And again, it still could be. But my strategy coming into this was, I'm just going to, if this is what the market is giving me, which is Memphis laying seven against this team at home, that would, I mean, that would translate somewhere in the range of a two-and-a-half-point spread on the road against Minnesota, keep in mind as well, which I don't think we're going to get that. Uh, I'm just going to consistently bet on Minnesota in this series until I feel the market has made a strong adjustment. But I am surprised that from a power rating perspective, the betting market is so gung-ho in the corner of the Memphis Grizzlies where there's matchups here that work in favor of the Minnesota Timberwolves. As we saw in that game, Steven Adams has a tough time out on the perimeter guarding a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. And the Memphis Grizzlies were much more aggressive in their general defense. Usually they played drop coverage. In that game, they were pressuring a lot on ball screens. But what did that lead to? Well, that led to quite a few possessions where Carl Anthony Towns was able to get John Morant on him. And the Memphis Grizzlies were scrambling to kind of contain that mismatch and opened up the floor for those guys. And if they're going to start to play drop coverage, well, D'Angelo Russell averaged 30 points per game against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies this year because he works so well in that area of the floor. You saw a couple of possessions where they enacted drop coverage, the Memphis Grizzlies, and Anthony Edwards took threes whenever Steven Adams dropped off him on those pick and rolls and hit a couple of them. So, again, this isn't to say that Memphis is up against it. They have a really good small ball lineup that they can run up and down the floor with Jaron Jackson at center. They were brilliant in transition against Memphis and remember, or excuse me, against Minnesota. And if you remember in the second quarter of that game, they, I think they went on a 16-2 run against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and it looked like, okay, here we go. John Morant's off the floor. This backup unit's doing what they're doing. They're going to get out and run and take care of this. But Minnesota stayed the course, and we know what happened in that game. They have a pretty good advantage when they're getting up and down the floor and running, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're one of the best transition teams in the NBA. But I just think we, when you look at this matchup for both of these teams, uh, to say that this is the lopsided nature of a series that was split in four games in the regular season and that was not power rated this high in any way whatsoever when these two teams met in the regular season, uh, I am surprised uh, by the market's reaction here. And this could just be, you're going to hear about you know the zigzag theory, and I can't wait. I'm going to send in the numbers tomorrow, Santos. If, uh, this is a rule on this show, and I'm going to lecture Matt if this happens, although Matt knows how I think about this. If anybody on this show comes on here and says, you know, Team's down 2 nothing. Going back home. First quarter. For, no. The, the no, no, no. We're going to get into the numbers on that recently. But it is not the bet you think. But I think just when you look at this overall, as we kind of get back, because I got, got sidetracked there, um, Memphis is going to be, I think, a pretty good bet against team if the market's not going to adjust on the power rating and the, the, the delta between these two. Now we get to the next, So because uh, we're kind of getting to these Tuesday games. I wanted to touch on really quickly uh, the New Orleans-Phoenix game because I thought it was really fascinating. So yesterday ended up betting Phoenix first quarter against the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think this is something to track as we move forward now as the play-in is kind of going to be a thing. Uh, these teams that play in these Friday games that have to then go and play again in a game one on the road when they capture those eight seeds, we saw both of them. 
The Atlanta Hawks and the New Orleans Pelicans were complete no-shows in the first quarters of their games. It ultimately didn't even cover their respective games, although the Pelicans showed a little bit more fight uh, in their matchup with the Phoenix Suns. But what's interesting about this man, this matchup is, is a couple of things. One, uh, the market likes the New Orleans Pelicans. You saw yesterday... This number got down to as low as nine and a half after I think some spots opened as high as 11. You see the opener here now as that nine and a half after the Suns barely get by and blow a pretty big lead and have to kind of scrape by against New Orleans. But what's interesting about this matchup is that lineup that I kept pounding my table, you know, my fist on the table, right? I was like, hey, man, look at this new lineup for them. They're, it's great. Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas. They can't play it, the Pelicans. They're getting run off the floor with it. The Clippers and their small ball lineup beat up that lineup, and they had to take Jackson Hayes off and put Larry Nance Jr. out there. And ultimately, their smaller lineup, and at times when Larry Nance was out there as the biggest guy out uh, for the Pelicans, that was their most effective matchup against the Phoenix Suns yesterday when they went a little bit smaller. It was the same thing in the play-in game against the Los Angeles Clippers. So this is why I like playoff basketball so much. You know, the NBA and basketball in general gets criticized for lack of defense, all these things. If you sit down and you watch these basketball games on a possession-to-possession basis and the chess match that is going on between these head coaches and matching lineups and changing strategies in-game and what they want to do with these guys and their personnel, it is incredible to watch. And the Pelicans now have a choice to make because I don't think they're going to be able to put their big lineup out there again against the Phoenix Suns. I think I'll have to double-check and I'll have the number four tomorrow. I think they got it scored by 11 to 14 points. Uh, with their big lineup out there. The one that got them here is ultimately not going to be the one that is going to lead them to a potential series victory against the Phoenix Suns. Now, I think that's also very unlikely, uh, but still, crazier things have happened. So we'll get to the rest of these, of course, as the week goes on. Tuesday slate is awesome. Not only do we have uh, Minnesota, Memphis, New Orleans, Phoenix, but we get the rematch between Atlanta and Miami. Saturday was kind of a dud, but I would expect a better performance from Atlanta after that uh, terrible performance in game one. All right, with that, we are all done. vcin.com slash podcast. You know the deal. Missed out any part of this show or your favorite shows, you go up there. Decent.com slash JVT. Uh, daily betting reports in the NBA up every single day now through the postseason. So check those out uh, Sunday through Sunday up on the website. Till then, enjoy my guys in the desert. We'll see you tomorrow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.